So Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 17 and reading through the end, not quite the end of the chapter. So hopefully, as we've been doing this prayer series together, these words are becoming familiar to you, okay? This is God's holy and infallible word. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Do we have more? Oh yeah, great. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's our scripture reading for tonight. So in this prayer of Paul that we've been, been looking at, um, it's a prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit because it's in God's word. We saw how he, he prays, and we read it, that the eyes of believers' hearts would be enlightened, that we would know the hope to which we have been called, and the riches of his glorious inheritance, which, which was just last Sunday morning. We talked about uh, that great inheritance and the riches. He also prays that we would know God's incomparably great power for us who believe. We read that tonight. Um, so we're, we're continuing to talk about prayer. We want to go deeper and wider in prayer. And we see tonight that there is power in prayer. The question is, and, and that's not a, a crazy thing to say, right? That there's power in prayer. But if that's true... Why don't we very often feel powerful as Christians? I mean, maybe you do. I don't. I don't think most of us do. Um, it's almost like more often we feel quite the opposite of this power. We can feel weak and we can feel exhausted by life. We know about failure in living we know about being tempted, and we know very well about falling into temptation and sinning. Many of us have been tested and tried in various ways in our lives, and, and, and some of us here at Faith very intensely. And life overwhelms us. We wake up early in the morning or in the middle of the night, and we can be filled with fear uh, regret, anxiety about this or that, or simply about all of it, about everything. We have concerns about our health, our finances, our loved ones. Some people get really anxious about all of this. Others, not as much. But there is no human being who is immune to 
feelings of weakness and worry, of They say that industrialization, scientific and technological advances, as much as they have helped us in humanity and are signs of progress, that has also contributed toward humanity's feelings of weakness and smallness and being frazzled. But human nature throughout the millennia, has always been basically the same. And so the Ephesians would have experienced feelings of powerlessness too, like, like we do. And so, so Paul takes them to the power that is there for believers. And he prays that we would know that power, right? Man's solution, a modern response to these feelings are, I don't know if this is the exact right term for it, there might be a better one, but um, again, for the best I can do right now is, are these movements of empowerment, human attempts to give power to people, uh, whether, you know, we talked a number of decades ago, black power or empowering women, and uh, you, you know, you may have heard quotes like, if you want something said, ask a man, but if you want something done, ask a woman. And I'm not saying there's not truth there, but this, this is another one I found. Celebrate womanhood. Fuel yourself with self-confidence and let that fuel empower you to soar towards your dreams. And of course, there's girl power. That's a big deal, right? She believed she could and so she did. Be fierce. Girls can. And I don't want you to get me wrong in all of that. Christians always need to be at the forefront of calling out oppression in society, whether it's oppression of minorities or women, the unborn, the aged, those with disabilities. As believers, we want to promote equal rights because of what the Bible teaches. We've been made in the image of God, and therefore each person has an inherent dignity. And, and so we call out oppression and injustice. We work to remedy societal sins. We want to strengthen the weak. We want to help those who are helpless. We want to promote policies that enable the poor and the trampled upon to stand up on their own two feet, uh, to be empowered, maybe we could say. But we don't think about power in the way that these empowerment movements seem to. Those sorts of movements tend to be quite secular and, and even humanistic, even though historically these sorts of ideas started with a Christian basis and a belief in God's word that we are created, and if we're created and created in God's image, we all have an inherent dignity and equality. Equal rights would not have happened without a Christian worldview. 
It would not have happened without the Bible. Before Christianity, weaker members of society were just trampled on by the more powerful people. There was no sense of equality or equal rights or putting an end to oppression. But now, these biblical foundations seem to have been left far behind. Uh, People even claim Christianity is the major reason for oppression of people in our world. And so the solution to lack of power and weakness in modern times is humanistic. In these solutions, there is no God involved. It's about self-empowerment. And we're told that power can be found inside of us, deep within. You've just got to go there and, and tap into it. But the reality is that all these feelings that we have of weakness and powerlessness as human beings are realities. We are pretty powerless. We can't just dig deep and find power and be fierce uh, just because a lot of pithy sayings tell us that we can be powerful we got to own up to the fact that we feel weak on our own because we are weak on our own and we fall into sin very easily and and really time and again on our own we we can't figure our way out of our messes and we certainly can't figure out our way Uh, from the biggest problem of all, being far from God, deserving punishment and his wrath because of our sin. And and we see this in our scripture reading. By what follows this incomparably great power that the Bible talks about. Is it power through education? Is it power through climbing the social ladder? Is Is it power through getting a good job and having a stable income? Is it power through positive thinking? Is that where we go in our text? Is it power through digging deep inside ourselves by saying, yes, we can, just loud enough? Paul doesn't go to any of those places. Um, The power's not in us, and it's not about us at all, according to what we read. It's outside of us. It's God's power in Jesus. And there are several specifics mentioned with respect to Jesus and the evidence of power in him. And the first is Jesus' resurrection. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Jesus' resurrection Uh, three days after he was crucified. It's so central to our faith that not a single page of the New Testament would have been written without it. There would have been no point. There would have been nothing to say. 
Certainly nothing new to say. There would have been no good news, no gospel to proclaim. But the New Testament was written, and early Christians had something to preach to the world because Jesus did rise from the dead. Uh, there was this empty tomb that could not be explained away by anything other than that he arose Jesus' disciples, if you think about it, after his arrest and death and burial, were completely defeated. They were just moping around. They gave up. They hid away. They had nothing left to do. They had nothing left to say. But then suddenly, they got out in the streets. And Peter, the leader of the disciples, proclaimed, God raised Jesus up. And we're all witnesses to it. That change from boldness to boldness and courage. It was the work of God's power. It wasn't in them. It couldn't be explained by anything other than that the disciples really did see Jesus risen from the dead. And the reality is that the Father made sure his Holy One would not see corruption. And he could do that, raise him from the dead through his immeasurably great power. So the resurrection is where Paul takes us. And he also takes us to Jesus' ascension to God's right hand. God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Uh, the fact that Jesus returned from where he had come before his birth shows that his work on earth was done. And also, it shows that that work he did on earth was accepted by God the Father. Resurrection power and ascension power go hand in hand. Third, one more place we're taken. The Father seated Jesus far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. He's seated to rule over all things. He's seated not to rest. Not because he was tuckered out from this incredible work that he did on earth, but seated to rule over all things. He doesn't need to rest. He's God. He holds infinite, tireless power, very much unlike us. Hebrews 1.3 says he's upholding the universe and directing the universe. And why did our text say? For the church. For the church. So, if you think about his upholding of the universe and his continued providential care for creation, keeping it all going, it's, it, it's mind-boggling, right? The planets and the moons in their orbits, uh, the galaxy moving very fast through space, just as he wants them to do. And down here, keeping the laws of physics and even subatomic particles, all of that steady and the same so that we can study them and so that all things hold together. From the galaxies throughout the universe to the subatomic particles, if it wasn't for God's steady hand, it would just fall apart. Probably cease to exist. But, more than his attention and care for all of those huge 
and minute things. His attention is to his church, and his care is for his people. It's for you and me, and it's for all of us. He works in all things, says Romans, for the good of those who love him, his people, his church. And, and how is it possible to do all that? Well, he's God. He's omnipotent. He is almighty. He holds all power. And this, Paul is telling us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, this incomparably great power is for all of us and all people everywhere who believe through prayer. The power is in prayer. In other words, the power comes from calling out beyond ourselves, beyond this world, to the heavens, uh, to Jesus Christ seated on the throne, to God the Father who accomplished our salvation in Jesus and who sent his Holy Spirit to bring that power for our living. And prayer, kind of by definition, is acknowledging that we are weak, but he is strong. There's power in the one with whom we have a relationship with by grace through faith. And if we have, if we have this power, we, you know, we, we do wonder then, well, why am I losing my job? Why am I struggling there? Why is my health failing? Why did my loved one die? Why does sin persist? Why do I feel so weak? And truthfully, I can't give you the complete answer to that. You know, part of the answer is that this is not heaven yet. We're not in heaven yet. We may not understand all things that he's doing right now, but we bow beneath his rule and beneath his authority, and we know his power will see us through and will enable us to obey, and he will enable us to complete our pilgrim's journey. And you know what? If, if you talk to Christians who have been around a while, long enough to experience ups and downs and, and failures and messes of life, you know what most of them, I bet, will tell you? They'll tell you that the greatest progress they've made in their journey of faith has not been in success and not been in when they are strong, but in failures and in weakness, in hard times more than in good times. Uh, the challenges God brings our way have a purpose. When we come to the end of our power, that's when we call out to him in prayer, and then we find his power. Even when our prayers are more groans and moans, we find that his power is immeasurable. And we find that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that drove the mission of the church from Jerusalem through the whole Roman world, in a single generation, it's available for you and me too. And with that power, though not perfectly yet, there is no reason that each one of us cannot obey God. And there's no reason we can't witness to him. There's no reason we can't live our lives for him 
even if it sometimes feels like our progress is slow. And that power, when we ask for it in prayer, we can live wholeheartedly, we can give ourselves to God's church and to God's kingdom, and we find that when we go to the Father in prayer, Christ's power and authority is the antidote to all our human weaknesses, all our human limitations. Let's go to prayer right now. Oh Lord, uh, we, we call out to you, our Father, to Jesus, seated at the right hand of God, and we're so thankful for your power exhibited in uh, the resurrection, your ascension, your session at the right hand of God, Lord Jesus, reigning over all things from there, guiding all things, uh, the universe, history, and even each one of our lives. Help us, O oh God, to, to know that deeper. Help us to call out uh, to you when we're at wit's ends, and we often can be, and then may we experience your power. We know we don't experience it perfectly. And some of that is because of our own sin and lack of faith. And some of it is because of uh, the fact that we're not in heaven yet. This is not heaven. Far from it. But we do know that you give your children enough. Your power is enough so that we can do what you call us to do. So that we can live the life that you've given us for your glory, loving you, loving others in the time that you have ordained for us on this earth. Bless us, O oh God, as we seek to depend on you, as we resist digging deep within and go beyond ourselves. Uh, to where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, ruling over all things uh, and having and dispensing his incomparably great power for all who believe, even each one of us here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.